0: Think. Think. Hello and welcome to episode 43 of what most people think. Oh in it hot. In it hot eh? Oh, it's too hot. That sun is hot. Yeah, the sun is always hot. I mean the sun has made a career out of being pretty fucking hot. Why the British people? We're always we're always surprised, aren't we, by heat? It doesn't matter how many days we've seen it coming up on the weather forecast or a little Yahoo thing on our phones. The day that it is actually properly hot, we're like, oh, that's, that's fucking hot. It's too hot. It's a different kind of heat. It's a very different. When you go abroad, it's a, it's a drier heat. And we have no qualms about, you know, coming out with the exact same cliches that we come out with every year. It's, you know, it's just, I don't mind it. It's the humidity. Oh, yeah, it's the Humidity and yeah, everyone that speaks about heat does sound like my mum. How are you? How are you in this crazy summer of ours where everyone's kicking off? Everyone's kicking off. The behavioural scientists said it would come, but you know, you got people jumping off the pier at Bournemouth Beach. you got fucking like block parties turning into riots in Brixton, statue defenders, people flying banners. It is, it's a bit mental, but you know, let's just bear in mind that when I say mental, I mean, I've seen a few clips online. When I go and walk my dog, it's not that mental. Um, but apparently you can't say that, you know, because Jess Phillips tried to say that, that uh, that don't get too upset about, you know, riots, because when you look outside your window, it's mostly all right. And people say, sorry, Jess, stop gaslighting our lived experience of this chaos. Um, welcome to the show. This is called What Most People Think, which is uh, I, myself, am a disgusting, filthy, selfish, evil, heartless Tory and a, a racist, stupid, ignorant Brexit voter depending on who you speak to. And the the point of the show is we just look at current issues and just try and do what, you know, what Keir Starmer's trying to do, uh, is try and find what is the centre ground of British politics. What is the most common view? Um, I'll explain, uh, we do a thing called a cuss count every week. My good friend David Domain, as well as uh, chatting with me about a few issues of the week, he, he updates me on how much I've been swearing. It's just become a thing of interest in itself. So we'll give you the rundown of uh, episode 42. It was two asses. Two arse, one batshit, 12 fucks, one fucked, 19 fuckings. So the fuckings are here to stay, it seems. I think that the fuckings are the new normal of swearing. Uh, one piss, three shits, one shitty, one twats, and a wanker. Um, so... Yeah, I, I think that, that obviously we're living through a tense of time. If, if we were to go back for any swearing enthusiasts, if you go through the beginning of lockdown when everything seemed a little bit more scary but easy to understand, the swearing had, had gone down notably. We were in single figures across the board. But uh, 19 fuckings is... A good way to calibrate the mood as a country as any. I welcome also uh, my patrons here, the people that help keep the podcast weekly and ad-free. And VIP patrons get a guaranteed mention at the start of the show. So I always mention new ones. And it is Rob Keeley. And yeah, just Rob Keeley this week. VIP Patreons. And there's certain benefits that go with that. If you're interested in supporting the podcast, we had our first ever Patreon-only podcast this week. And look, I've still got a full-length podcast out on the Friday. So I'm aware of what happened, people get the ump, don't they? If I do a Patreon-only podcast one, they go, "All oh right, you've monetized it, you cynical bastard. And so I've deliberately made this week's podcast longer. This is the kind of way I'm motivated. Yeah, I've deliberately done that. Just to prove you wrong, I've given you something that you might want. Um, and yeah, thank you for all your uh, support there. There are a few things that happen on exclusively on Patreon. I've got a big announcement. And when I say big announcement, I say that that it, it feels like that to me. I don't know if anyone else gives a shit. But I'm going to announce a date for another online new material gig. And I'll give you more details of that. Uh, but coming up on this week's show, I will give you these details in the middle of our chat this week because we've got a uh, PM- Novelli who is a comic, a political comic, a great satirist, uh, he appeared in the first series of The Mash Report. He's a really great thinker. Do you know what I mean? Like he is he's some of his analogies and, and I'll be honest, I've tried to nick a few over the years. He just has a very interesting way of seeing things, but he's he's on the left, but he's not on the preachy left. And that's what draws me to him. I think he's a, it's a unique thing at the moment. A lot of comedy on the left can come across as quite moral and quite preachy and quite bombastic, but he's very considered and very accepting of other opinions, so I thought he'd be a great guest, and we had a really interesting chat and got into a lot of issues of the day, including the sacking of, good morning, Mrs. Long-Bailey, who, you know, did the usual thing in Labour. She's just like, oh, yeah, I've read an article with some really controversial stuff in, but uh, it doesn't seem controversial to me. I'll just retweet it. Um, so, yeah, we're going to crack on in a sec, because what I want to do before the chat with Pierre, just want to uh, share a couple of thoughts about where the left is at. Uh, which we'll also pick up on in the chat with Pierre. Uh, but just quick, thank you. Thank you to Diet Coke. I like, I love my corporations. I think that they do a lot for the planet. They keep so many people in work. They have great salary progressions. They're the biggest employers of young people. And during lockdown, I made a pledge to myself that I would drink one can of Diet Coke every day. And I, by God, I've fucking done it, people. Every single day. Sometimes I've left it. Well, the other night, I drank one at 10 p.m. walking the dog. I'm just, it's my thing now. I just drink a Diet Coke. And you know what the hilar- hilarious thing is with it? Is that people get so upset about Diet Coke. I don't know what it is. They think that even people that take cocaine have said to me, you shouldn't be drinking that shit, Jeff. It's got a spark of me in it. Spark me is a state tool of, of oppression. And like, fucking, it's just, it just makes me a bit happy when I drink a Diet Coke. I'm not a big drinker. I'm a binge drinker, which is, you know, my patriotic duty is to binge drink. So yeah, I have a Diet Coke. Fuck you. <laughs> And just a quick fuck you on, why does no why does no one seem to give a shit that COVID uh, kills more men than women? I mean, like, it, i just wondered what the percentage would need to be um, of additional deaths that it would have to be before anyone give a shit. Because at the moment, you know, it's a good, you know, what if it's 90% of them w- were men? Because, you know, we're focusing on all other kinds of different communities at the moment. What about the male community? What are you saying, Jeff? You're saying you put on a bit of weight and you felt like you've had a bit of a cold this week? Yes, I fucking am. that I was already going to have today about what's going on with the left. You know, what's going on with the left? Or, well, you know, it depends on how you say it. Well, What is going on with the left? But uh, I was going to talk about how, you know, Starmer has started well, certainly in the Commons. He hasn't really given any ideas of what he would do, but he certainly asked some good forensic questions. And then as, you know, as I was, uh, as I was getting ready to do this podcast, Rebecca Long-Bailey sacked, uh, as I mentioned, for this article that she retweeted. And... You know, he's got this battle to fight in his own party, right? Because you've got this situation where the membership have liberal values from the year 3000. A lot of them, they're off their fucking heads, right? If there's any of you listening, come on, man, you've been to, you be to the conferences. But, you know, you had Dawn Butler recently making her comments about the British police having their knee on the neck of uh, young black and Asian men and women in this country. And, you know, it's quite a visceral image to use and um, and then of course the issue with uh, Rebecca Long Bailey and 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 Starmer has a has a problem here because it was only a couple of months ago where he took power and his job and everyone agreed that it was his job was to win back the Labour heartlands right that was it that's all you got to do on the night of the 2019 general election I was there doing Channel 4's alternative election it was all about you got to win back the heartlands right and then when Keir was in that's what we got to do it's all about t- fucking heartlands you know. And people are probably getting annoyed now thinking that's a Yorkshire accent, Jeff. But it suits what I'm trying to say. Win back to fucking heartlands. Uh, open pits. And he has a, you know, and then within a couple of months, obviously, with some of the issues that have hit the public eye recently, the, the left seems to have become a cause-based movement now. If you look, it, that, that makes sense, right? These young people, maybe there's a certain pragmatism to it. Those sorts of where it's looking increasingly hard for Labour to ever win a majority uh, in a general election. Maybe let's just do this on a on a cause by cause basis. So, by the way, if you can hear that outside, that is uh, some of my neighbours' kids. You know, it's, it's strange you get older. People say, oh, "Is there anything better than the sound of kids playing?" I'll go, um, "Yeah, yeah, kids not playing." But uh, it's become a cause based movement. The left, and what happens now is the cause comes up. You know, they try to make it trend. They try and lean on the party in power and also the opposition to support it. They get a win they move on. But what is seeming to be happening is the the adoption of identity politics seems to be gathering pace at the moment, you know? Like, it, it would, would seem to be that to win back the Labour heartlands, the thing you'd have to do most was, was talk about domestic politics and things that matter to those people, to kind of square the Labour Party again, once again, as a party of law and order, and a party that loves the Queen, you know, love the military, and... They, you know, they don't. They've never been further from that. And we, we're, we're importing, it seems, you know, US-style identity. Do you remember when they were saying like chlorinated chicken was the worst thing that you could import from America? I'd argue, based on the last few weeks, there's a lot fucking worse. And, you know, they seem to have very little to say about things. You know, the terror attack. Do you remember that? You know, ages ago. Oh, yeah, sorry, that was last Saturday. That was last Saturday. There's three people stabbed to death in Reading. And there's been precious little said about it. On the left, we've had more said about a fucking someone flying a banner. We're still having the the kneeling at the football. Fair enough, you know. Like collectively, football has decided to support Black Lives Matter, but we, we didn't. We didn't have a minute silence, as far as I know, for the terror attack, and that just seems like it seems to lack balance. That's the main thing, right? It seems to on the left there seems to be an imbalance in the pro, to the things that they give a shit about and the things that they don't give a shit about. There was a time not so long ago when a terrorist attack against an apparently group of gay men would have been the first up the list you know gay men a uh, very protected identity you know gay men and, and the left right it's like uh, they go together like you know gay men and the left and i think the the thing about the far right maybe this is the point i'm getting to is the fair enough if, if the young left as a movement have sort of said well we haven't known Uh, a Labour government in our lifetime. It seems like it's impossible now. We're just going to go to a cause-by-cause basis. There is, grudgingly, uh, a certain common sense about that. What I think is a problem at the moment is you look at these twats on the far right, okay? You look at these people that want to stir hatred and want to, you know, fake photos and videos to get people even angrier. All they need, right, all these people need is a narrative. And the easiest narrative of all to give the far right is when you deploy double standards or when things happen that you technically should give a shit about, but you gloss over because you've got your own pet interests, which aren't balanced out with the interests of the wider country. Okay, welcome to the podcast for the first time, Mr. Pierre Novelli. Hello, Pierre.
1: Hi, hey Jeff. How are you doing?
0: You are, I should say you're down the line here, which is my way of excusing the fact I'm doing this over Zoom and I haven't looked into ways of doing it better than just having the volume coming out of my laptop.
1: <laughs> I think there's some fancy websites you can synchronize things on and stuff. but
0: uh, I'm 43, yeah. mate. I'm 43. The good thing is, is that one of the problems I've had is that some of the people sound a bit tinny, but you are naturally got quite a bassy voice. So I think you've done some of the graphic equalization for me here.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah. Cut a bit of, uh, cut a bit of editing work out of it.
0: Yeah, well, I sort of sound like I'm flirting already, don't I? Like you, you, on the other hand, you've got a really lovely base. You're tall, you know, you're what, you're, you're what a man should be. So just, just quickly, obviously, I think, you know, some people are interested in what's been happening with comedians in lockdown. Have you done any of your online gigs at all? Have you flexed your muscles that way?
1: I haven't. I haven't done an online gigs. I've done some streaming stuff, and I've kept on with podcasting. But I haven't done a, a Zoom gig yet. I yeah, I did favorite.
0: one. I did one for the Patreons, which I, I like to use any excuse to bring up, just to remind people that there will be another gig soon, and they can be part of that action. But I, it was better than I thought, and um, I just I did it sat down. I think the, I think the key is to take the stakes out of it because I, if you're sort of standing up and wearing a suit, I think it just feels a bit sad. It feels like, um, you know, one of those blokes back in the day when they had, like, recessions and depressions that carried on going to work just because he couldn't bring himself to let his wife know that he was just sitting on a fucking bench. (laughs) So we work together um, uh, on the MASH reports. Just to give people, like, a bit of a steer, sort of your kind of uh, political orientation, where I've got an idea of where you are on the political spectrum, but I'm not entirely sure.
1: Um, So I would say just the, the, if, if it's going to be like a generic uh summation uh kind of just left of center progressive but mm. not not uh not a Corbyn voter no um either so that kind of slightly uh slightly tricky
0: is this a very lib, lib dem way of saying lib dem
1: uh well that's <laughs> the problem is that i'm i'm intermittently more in favour of state solutions than the Lib Dems, but I do think we should legalise weed, so, you know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, let's be honest, I'd say state solutions are currently a lot more likely than legalising weed.
1: Yes, I think that uh, the only way that they're going to legalise weed now is if it became, I don't know, it was pitched to some kind of uh, British underdog cottage industry.
0: Yeah, or it could cure Covid. Which yes, there's yes, chunk. yes. That would be the only way. Why is that, do you think? I, I've often thought, is it just the Brits are just a bit too immature? Because what will happen is the first politician or prime minister to, to even even sort of broach the subject is going to have a joint photoshopped onto their hand and they'll be on the front page of the sun. That is...
1: Yeah, yeah. and they'll they'll have like a word like bifta or roach or something like inserted into their name as a pun. Yeah, it'll um, be a
0: really bad pun as well, like Boris Johnson. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. Rasta Sunak. Yeah, exactly. It would always be something a bit not a naff like that. But I don't know, it's strange, because in in theory, a lot of people who are, are currently in power should be in favor of it in terms of their favorite topics of personal responsibility. Yeah. And it's something you can tax the hell out of. And it is one of the few recreational drugs that makes people sit quietly at home.
0: Well, we could do yeah. with some of that right now with some of the yeah. current... Uh, That's how it
1: cures coronavirus. Everyone's too stunned <laughs> to get up off the couch. It
0: just turns everyone into fucking hermits. Yeah, exactly. We've thing, cured huh? coronavirus. Everyone's too scared to leave the house. There was uh, some talk that apparently tobacco, like they're finding that the people who smoke tobacco were more resistant to COVID, which is kind of counterintuitive.
1: Yeah, I mean, they. It's interesting that they were very worried about smokers and asthmatics, um, and not initially so much about diabetics. But it's way more diabetics have been dying. Smokers have got quite good outcomes. Do you think it's because smokers weird.
0: have always got like smoke bubbling? It's like um, it's like some sort of protection. They've always got stuff in their lungs. It's got to get past that.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, if it, if it lives in the, the alveoli or whatever, the little sacs, yeah. then if the sacs are already full of tar, there's nowhere for it to go, I suppose.
0: But that is just the kind of belligerent philosophy that a smoker is always on the lookout for. See, <laughs> yeah. see not only yeah. are we propping up the country, we that know what we be, were doing.
1: Yeah, it would be a Bill Hicks bit if he was alive.
0: Yeah, it's been a while, but I think he is finally um, validated. Yeah. <laughs> I've always enjoyed your take on politics. I particularly remember that bit you did on the Thanks, the uh, MASH report, which was about Syria. And I remember yeah. that the angle of it was, was how can I not give a shit about Syria? And it was, you were talking to various kind of learned people, but the angle was that you just didn't want to think about it because it was too scary and upsetting. And I thought that where, I knew that you were left of center, but I thought what was different there was you weren't trying to take a morally high status thing. You were sort of thinking... This is how people think, you know, this is, this is a more honest appraisal of, of where yeah. we're at. And I would say that currently, you know, with left-wing political comedy, that's quite rare on your side of defence, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, my, my line of thought was that we, we're determined not to do anything. Yeah. And it's worse to know if someone is being murdered and do nothing than to not know, because at least then you could say you didn't know. yeah. Whereas instead, we know it's going on. Yeah. We're just determined to not fucking do anything.
0: I, I know, so, no, I, I, I've I often thought that, that, that if you detach completely, there is a sort of moral absolution that goes with that. And I, I have this theory about something called um, a mix between kind of uh, optimism and apathy. Optimism, whereby you just admit that you're going to not do anything and hope it'll be all right. And I think that that is more common than we like to admit.
1: Well, that's it. And, and also the fact that, so many people refuse to accept that engaging with the world and bothering to do things comes with risk. So I'm talking about... I'm not just talking about something like, say, a no-fly zone so they can't gas their own people. Yeah. But I'm also talking about taking in refugees. Like, its You need action on both ends. Mm. You've got to deal with the people while the thing is happening. You take people out of the house while it's burning down, put the fire out, they can rebuild it and then move back in. But what I don't like is people who... Uh, make a, a big thing out of talking about how horrible it is but they aren't in favor of any particular solution to the problem
0: yeah and that is um that is a problem isn't it when we look at social media as the home of political discourse is it's a kind of rolling message board for exactly that sentiment isn't it The and, and yeah. it, what i think is has changed recently is just how quickly it moves on from things things that seemed. Like, such a big deal, you know, like, like so even something like Cummings, for example. I mean, as much as people want to pretend that they're still angry about that, it feels like from um, another era.
1: One of the other problems with the stuff like the Cummings thing is that everyone's realized now that the most powerful thing you can do is never apologize, never explain, never resign. Yeah. Because if you apologize, then that means you think you did something wrong. And if you did something wrong, you should resign. And if you resign, well you must have done something wrong or else why would you have resigned?
0: Well, I, I think this might that might extend to comedy as well, with the with the sort of fake apologies in comedy, because I often think of yeah. where in a perhaps less cynical way, if you apologize for a joke that you don't think honestly think there was anything wrong with, you're kind of opening the gates of hell because then you're sort of saying, Yeah, I did mean that. You know what I mean? You know, yeah. when I did, well, you know when I did that joke or, or you know when I said that insensitive I, I was actually what you said I was and the problem is is the people that are accusing you won't have any more respect for you and they'll just move on to the next thing and then the people who respected you will then think well great now I laughed at your racist joke.
1: Yeah exactly. You've undermined the whole thing and and that's that's what happens when in terms of society so we're talking about society when it comes to jokes it's like groups of people getting along. It's... A lot of the, the things like saying something offensive or, or, or fucking up, you, you can't have uh, you can't have Christianity without forgiveness, right? That's how it's sold. It's like, yeah, yeah you can sin, but don't worry. There's a whole way out of this. Mm. There's stuff you can do. Whereas if all you have is hell, it's not going to, you know. That's good, popular...
0: yeah. Oh, it's good. That's a really good analogy. You're, you're very good at these sort of, uh, these big tent ideas. I remember there was one, we were speaking at Edinburgh and we were speaking about... The American approach to tax and why the American right was different to the British right, and I don't know if I put you on the spot here. If you remember it, but you made an analogy about pie.
1: Oh God! It would. I mean, if you've forgotten (laughs) it,
0: I'm going to have that and I'm going to fucking run with it for the next... (laughs) In fact, no, actually, I've just remembered that was me. That was you that said that,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. What was it you said?
0: Well, we were talking about, uh, about, like, you know, a growing economy and and, and a socialist will say, let's keep the pie the same size but give poorer people uh, more of the existing pie. Whereas, you know, a British capitalist would say, let's make a bigger pie and then everyone just gets more pie naturally... Yeah. And an American would say, "Why the fuck does anybody get to have free pie?" <laughs> yeah, there is. See, hey,
1: uh, there you go. Yeah, hey, it's I, pretty I, good, I isn't go it? Pierre? Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: a lot of people yeah. at my tour now going. That was what you opened the last tour with. I don't know why. Hey, <laughs> the, that was the
1: Jeff Leppard Pie Tour.
0: But it um, was an interesting point because I think at the moment, particularly where we are drawing a lot of kind of imperfect parallels between British and US culture there's not even a, a perfect parallel between the US and the British right, is there?
1: No, I mean, the US right is is mm. is so different. I mean, we're getting bits of it bleeding over into the, the British conservative culture, not least because the Tory party seems to send a lot of its interns over to the RNC and stuff they to do, yeah. and pick up the, the latest tricks or whatever. Mm. But um, yes, the fundamentally, what the US right doesn't have is that kind of one-nation... Peter Hitchens style conservatism, yeah. where it's like uh, even Peter Hitchens is sitting there going, "Well, of course the government should run the trains, otherwise it could it could be run badly and we won't own it anymore." It's kind of a much yeah. more centralized government, like paternalistic form of conservatism. Where it's like the government's job to preserve the country actively with its resources, as opposed from what I understand. I mean, like I don't have a degree in politics, but from what I've to conserve, yeah, to conserve. Well, yeah, to conserve and to the Americans seems to be conservative only socially, really, because they want to chop down forests and drill everywhere and burn everything down and sell it to McDonald's, and it's the opposite of conservation. I
0: think at the moment... They're serving
1: anything. They're just eat, eat,
0: eat, eat, eat. Well, oh, Drill Baby Drill was the, the yeah. famous... Um, and it was... it. I remember when Sarah... Do you remember when Sir Palin said that? There yeah. was something about it that I found quite appealing because I am like part knucklehead, like things like that do a bit. I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. Drill Baby. No one ever going to tell me not to drill. So I can be... I can understand. This is my where I always sit is I sort of straddle that divide where I totally get why that fuck you sort of... Uh, just let's just let's just go for it, you know. Let's not yep. instead of worrying about the planet that's probably going to die anyway. Let's just have a real good time on the way there, you know.
1: Well, yeah, well, that's that's the difference is that in the in the US, stuff like uh, you know how in the UK a lot of quite conservative organisations or organisations organisations that are very popular with the Tories will be like the Countryside Alliance and like the 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 Watchers Association yeah. of Lower Thrimbley or whatever the hell. Like, those wouldn't be, you know, in, in, in the US, it would be the Republicans saying, fuck the bird sanctuary, let's, highway right through it. You know?
0: Let's eat the those birds, I bet they taste amazing.
1: Yeah, whereas here, that's a conservative thing, and there it would probably be seen as some kind of, I don't know, parochial hippie nonsense.
0: Speaking of parochial hippie nonsense and Twitter, um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking about this week, about, about like, uh, where, uh, you know, I opened the show talking about it, but about where the left I- is at, and that yeah. it seems to be becoming a, a cause-based movement now, I think. Um, rather there doesn't seem to be like a realistic play to the idea that they could ever win a majority, and it's now like a, a, a movement and a pressure group. Is that is that real? Is that just pragmatic? I don't, I don't know if there's a certain it, sense in it.
1: Well, what's interesting is that... Um, you must you must know... Um, uh, I was talking about exactly this with Alex Keeling. Who's, yes. Uh, yeah.
0: Very good. Very oh, good guy. Very funny. Um,
1: political stand up, and it 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 was basically like, in terms of pragmatic winning an election, right? If Labour want to win the next election, not and not win anything in Scotland, if they want to ignore Scotland and win the next election, they need to also take reese Mogg's seat. Like that's how much they yeah, need to cut into
0: North that. Somerset. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck, uh, Labour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: But here's the thing, right? So on yeah. one end of it, you have all the uh, cause-based stuff, the activism and so on, which doesn't even try or think about elections. Uh, whereas on the other side of it, Keir Starmer on Victory in Europe Day was on the front page of the Daily Telegraph yeah. accusing the government of fucking over pensioners. Yeah. I mean, that's on target for for, for that kind of uh a floating voter or voter that you need to win over and in theory the cause-based stuff on the left could just be like UKIP UKIP didn't win shit but they've changed the entire course of British 21st century history
0: yeah yeah that's yeah, yeah. I mean it's a really good point and, and and maybe because we always write off these left-wing activists as being a bit deluded and a bit stupid but they've sort of seen through social media that they can push around the establishment because corporate policy and governments are just for whatever reason terrified of trending in this tiny echo chamber
1: but the, the main thing to remember is that regardless of the truth of the matter, in any case, if you if you take a, a, a two groups, and one group is suggesting something like, you know, uh, cancel the army, there won't be an army ever again. And I think that's the Green other,
0: Party's official line, actually. I, th- I think it is, yeah.
1: <laughs> and then you have another group that seems a bit more sort of, uh, suit and tie, and they're saying, no, 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 we'll just change the way that we recruit the army. Yeah. Everyone will be so afraid that the craziest one will win, that they'll probably endorse the middle one, if only to stop the crazy one from happening.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: So for example, if a lot of crazies are saying we should just delete all the EU treaties immediately... <laughs> A bunch of people arguing for a referendum are going to sound pretty reasonable. So you need the crazies to shift the thinking further along to the the Mm. more sensible option.
0: Well, yeah, that is, I mean, what's called the Overton window, right? The way that the the centre ground of British politics can get moved. I suppose Corbyn did have some success in that. And a lot of people now think you should nationalise the trains, you know, if he hadn't been a sort of uh, anti-Semite and uh, uh, (laughs) absolutely terrible politician. You know, who knows? He could have gone somewhere. So just a quick uh, hype here. First up, saying uh, hello to some of my £5 Patreons. Uh, Usman Khayyam, Danny Bushel and Julian Smart. And I hope you enjoyed the uh, the one-off Patreon only. Well, it's not a one-off. I might do it again. Uh, it was fun to do. So speaking of benefits, being on Patreon, like the odd uh, Patreon only episode of the podcast might drop. Do you ever get to say drop about anything that isn't a rap album? People say that now all the time. Yeah, the new series of Broadchurch has dropped what has it got Jay-Z in it? Now, I think only Jay-Z gets to say that it drops. But I'll be looking at doing... I'm going to do another online new material gig. And that is going to be next Friday. I'm announcing it now like it's a big deal to fucking anyone other than me. But I I don't get how much at the moment. I'm doing a new material gig. I, I better write some new material. That would be one sensible way to approach this. But yeah, the 3rd of July. And as before, it will be automatic access to front row for VIP £10 patrons. That means that you get to actually sit. I can see you, you can see me, we can chat to each other. All £5 patrons will be able to watch the gig. And then I'll pick 15, based on uh, my hosting thing, I might be able to pick a few more than 15. But as a minimum, I'll pick 15 of the £3 patrons. And you can see a man sitting in his house, desperate for approval. As we speak, um, Rebecca Long-Bailey has been fired um, from the Shadow... Uh, I think shadow health minister was she? Maybe uh, no education secretary.
1: Yes, that was it. Yes, uh,
0: and it's partly because she retweeted a, an article with Maxine Peake in which she sort of just endorsed Maxine Peake as a good person, but the article yeah. had contained within it some fairly standard hard left, you know, stuff like blah blah. Uh, if you don't vote Labour, you're a Tory. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, you know something something Israel. And, you know, the, <laughs> yes. the usual stuff. Now, now knowing Rebecca Bailey, I think there's every chance that she just retweeted this without reading it, which is arguably just as worrying. Um, but does it yes. now open up this fight in the Labour Party, i.e. the divide between what Starman knows needs to be done to win an election and what all, the majority of the membership want and what a lot of the MPs want? There's a big gulf between those two things.
1: Well, the, the the terrible irony of all this is that as much as my friends who were like, I've got friends who are like fully paid up momentum activists, yeah, full on super Corbyn fans, and they they like to refer to Starmer as whatever centrist Tony Blair, whatever. He's way more left wing than that. He's not.
0: Mm, yeah, he is. He's yeah.
1: not progress. He's not um, uh, as in the part of the Labour Party. He's not right wing Labour at all. Um, and he's also, you know, a working class boy done good. Uh, it's tricky though, being
0: called. I know that he has come from, you know, reasonably humble background, but he is still called Sir Keir Starmer. That's a tricky one, well, isn't it?
1: Well, this is the thing about the British class system: is that, uh, you know, Corbyn went to a private prep school yeah. and then a grammar school, but he had a beard and liked to make jam, so he seemed nice. <laughs> but Keir Starmer wears a suit and is a knight, so he sounds like the villain, and and he actually and, earned.
0: You know, he earned that title. It wasn't like hereditary or anything.
1: He took took on News International. I mean, this guy's throwing mud in Rupert Murdoch's eye. How much more could you want? Representing unions for free, he's the real deal. And yet everyone's very upset at him because he's going to have to, like you say, try and make things a bit more palatable to the general public. But he's not significantly more right-wing. That's the mistake people are making.
0: But he looks right-wing, Pierre. This is how the left-wing-wing works. That's that's not an argument. How (laughs) dare you? His he seems
1: looks right-wing. Look at his hair.
0: He's got right-wing hair. He's got re- that is, to be fair, that is
1: right-wing He's hair. He's got
0: Republican hair. It's even worse than that. This is, you know, this is <laughs> this is a, a, a you know, a probably this this chasm and I, I did think and and I've I've variously lost faith with this too. You know, you make a bold political prediction. They're very easy to make. Usually people forget. Them. But when when the, um the Brexit referendum result happened, I, I said that I, I think in the long term the Labour Party going to split and then for a long time it seemed like the opposite that it would tear apart the Tory party but the Tory party's yeah. love of power can trump most things in the end, right? They eventually will get back together. I, ju- I just don't see how it can hold because like the moment, you know, someone like Starmer tries to take a more sensible line you know you get the divisions but then if you err back towards a very left wing character then they're not electable. It just, I don't know if that'll ever fix itself.
1: I think um, one of the things that's going to change and help make Starmer's job a lot easier is that a lot of the hard-left people want him to have like big government policies, right? Mm. And they'll be annoyed if he starts doing things like, oh, we'll outsource that to you know, Capita or whoever, because that's what Tony Blair did, and blah, 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 and it's, not, it's private companies making money, it's not the government, it's not the state. However, because of coronavirus, we've just had an in-practice demonstration of everyone in the country either seeing big state power work beautifully mm. or not be like the state not being powerful enough. We've had cases where the public are desperately demanding enormous state intervention, huge government salaries, magicked out of nowhere for people while they can't work, essentially just centralized big state power. And everyone's mm. gone, oh, we've been told since the 70s that this just leads to corpses in the street. But it turns out it led to a few grand in my bank account. Well, I'm Unemployed. Well, it does it seem does.
0: That it could lead to a few cars on fire, but that is a slightly separate issue. <laughs> yes, well,
1: it's probably, it's probably better for the environment to burn them now than
0: let them keep going. <laughs> it, well, but where, you know, where this power that's got through social media, people are used to now getting victories on things. You know, if you can get things to... There was a period actually where not many issues came out of Twitter. Like Me Too is a good example of something that worked very well, and then there's a period where not many things came out. But now recently, there's been a real glut of things that have come off social media... One of the issues is that there's a real lack of overall consent for these things. So, you know, like, I think, what, 13% of the country have got a Twitter account. A much smaller percentage of those are active, and a much smaller percentage still are involved in discourse. So this... We're in Australia somewhere, a Brexit referendum that really did have, you know, huge engagement and an actual democratic mandate was, you know, not accepted widely for quite a long time. And whereas ideas that crop up on social media can quickly become you know, policy quite quickly. Is there an issue with, like, consent here? Like, popular well, there's consent?
1: A, there's also a problem where... So there's... there's if, if an issue pops up on social media and that's how we hear about it, there's two different kinds. So there's the kind that pops up on social media just because it's some new thing from social media yeah. and it's maybe brand new or flimsy or it hasn't been researched. Uh, sometimes it pops up on social media because it... Is researched and it has been you know based on serious uh you know academic work and whatever but it hasn't got the air time it's just happens to have spread more easily through social media than it could have before social media because who sends that email on you know mm.
0: uh
1: so there's two different kinds i'm generally speaking i think you and i because you and i if if twitter is a bubble you and i are in it yeah and so we also think that these things become policy or are big and important. And we're also wrong from within the bubble in that. Mm. So when something does become policy, often it's something that that person was thinking anyway, and they've used Twitter as an excuse. But Twitter didn't make them. But at least we're part
0: of the, the, the dialogue. dialogue. I think that sometimes things will arrive at the general population. And maybe I am thinking more, perhaps maybe not policies, but, but debates, you know, like around oh, yeah. trans issues and stuff like that. It arrives at the general public, having been subject to furious debate online and yet a lot of the concepts are very new to oh
1: that's definitely true yes, i mean like, you know just
0: say men can have babies like that to most of the population yeah. they're like what the fuck are you talking about
1: like well this is well that's definitely true and I, I was talking with a friend of mine the other day and i was saying that most of these concepts or are, are like new terminology for stuff like acceptable academic terms yeah uh, for different groups and things like that they start in academia that's where they're invented or where they're debated yeah. and discussed and then I think the next place they seem to come, go down from academia is into the arts, hmm. you know, in, into our industry because everyone sort of goes, "Oh no, that's the new way to do this and do that." Too. Well, we so love we
0: ac- love a buzzword like gaslighting, like the the proliferation of gaslighting. It just feels like a cool word to say. It's like systemic at the moment.
1: Yes, and um, it
0: makes you sound smart, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, and a lot of it's not gaslighting is is a very important concept, but people tend to use it just to mean general. Uh, manipulation, whereas yeah. it's supposed to be manipulation of the idea of reality.
0: Yeah, you it means like you. Don't, I've said something you don't agree with me, and therefore you're gaslighting. Me. <laughs> and and it yes. just, it, for some reason it, it sounds more worse than straight up manipulation.
1: Well, the, yeah, I, I mean, I, th- I think that is true in the sense that I mean, when I speak to people, friends of mine who do you know normal jobs and live norm, normal lives, they don't they're not a comedian. They don't hang out with crazy crazy joke tellers at late at night on weekdays and things they have to get up in the morning and so on they they are generally you know months or years behind the yeah <laughs> the acceptable terms for this or that or new concepts or radical new ideas i mean this is this recently now what we're seeing is the 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 I, the american idea of defunding the police hitting people's minds yeah Suddenly arriving at people's mental doorstep, and everyone's going, "Oh, f- what the fuck is this?" Yeah, and having to come to terms with it. Whereas a lot of the people on Twitter talking about it are from academic or public research circles that have been debating the theoretical concept of defunding the police for years. So there's a real mismatch in. Well, when I said
0: online this week that I think that it's one of those things that doesn't even sound right in a British accent, like because <laughs> it kind of like you know like when British people say ass. Like, we can't yeah. say arse sounds way too British. Ass, we just... We don't really have an arse-based word that actually... Oh, I'll kick your ass. Like, yeah, or, or like, you know, party. You know, when British people... Yeah, we're going to really party her, her tonight. Party. So, so it's it both as a concept and just, you know, orally... It, it doesn't sound right, but I think people... It is strange because we're also, you know, across, like, from the liberal left for a long time throughout the EU debate, a lot of people saying we're European, not British, European, not British. And it turns out that culturally we are a a, a, we're a state of the US. Like, it's so obvious when you look yes. at, like, the way that language and ideas can permeate. And there are... And I totally understand. You know, you look at the murder of George Floyd and you look at the treatment of uh, uh, black suspects in the state, you, you you know it's brutal, and you have a reaction to it. But now this become part of the daily kind of diet of of this this country, and 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 the distinction of it being a dis- different country doesn't matter to some people. And for someone like me, I find that unusual.
1: The difficulty we we have is that if you look at the statistics the UK's problem is slightly different because I think... I think I mean, this was even in the Daily Telegraph. I think yeah. we have worse death statistics for black people once they're arrested. Mm. And in a way, you could argue that's more worrying because that means that they're being chucked in a cell and they're not being given medical attention and stuff. It's when they're in the care of the state. Yes, yeah. So then you've got someone saying, hey, I'm epileptic, I need my medicine, and you've got some thug in a corridor saying, yeah, I've heard that one before, and then just letting them die.
0: Yes, yeah. Sure.
1: Which is... So that's... A, <sighs> But there is a there is a um, there, so there's a, a book written by a South African journalist where he talks about as a as a white South African in the 70s his sense that the cultural sun that the whites were 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 sort of imprinting themselves on flattering themselves that they were European and not African mm. was the UK and in the 60s and 70s it switched from the UK it turned like how he says like a flower turning to the sun and it turned to America and then they were American more like the Americans importing American ideas. And America does have this enormous cultural imperial power. Uh, so we will get our ideas from America long before we get anything from France.
0: I do I do think as, as well, you look at the power of American film and cult TV, like it doesn't show any power, a sign of abating. And I sort of got this theory, like we always thought that commodity wars, like oil and gold and gas would be the issue. But we're so addicted to American TV now, I can see a future where they withhold like series of of box sets and stuff like that and that that it'd be used used in trade trade negotiations like just starve out the public for the next series of stranger things and see the people revolt
1: well that's the thing isn't it is that the uk is tremendously powerful in terms of soft power um cultural stuff like like it punches way above its waist it doesn't beat america but it's disproportionately powerful I was, I was thinking, so in terms of the debate with stuff like defund the police, so I was speaking to a friend of mine who, we were talking about police funding and so on. And I didn't know that there's still the defund the police debate happened. So New mm. York and London are, are roughly the same size. Mm. Uh, the Met police in London, their budget is about a billion dollars a year. Um, the NYPD's budget is $6 billion. Wow. So you get to the point where you think that does seem. Are those are those badges actual gold? What the fuck? Yeah, do? yeah. <laughs> and then you, you find that out, and then you find out how many people they you know shoot in the face, and you think, yeah, maybe the money isn't helping. They're yeah, and maybe professors.
0: like maybe like the the budget amplifies the anger. You know when yeah. you when you look at what it costs you when you look at that pie chart of what your tax money goes to.
1: Yeah, and and we. We're, we're very uncomfortable with the phrase defund the police, but we're fine when people say, yeah, we're not going to increase education funding in line with inflation.
0: But that's austerity, my dear boy. That's different. I mean, that's for, I'm comfortable with that.
1: <laughs> well, this is the interesting thing. is yeah. So if you look at the LAPD in Los Angeles, they have had their budget increased by something like 7% a year every year for more than a decade. I mean, enormous. They've never stopped being funded double inflation rates. Yeah. Just huge, huge, huge. But there
0: is a limit on that. And I think with the... the,
1: the it's, an, it's an election winner. It's an election winner.
0: With with the NYPD as well. I mean, there was that period when we were younger where New York was the murder capital of the world. And it really isn't now. But it, it's amazing sometimes how things just go unchallenged. So it may be that they're... Where is the murder capital of the world right now? I think... I mean, well, is, it's, it's not like European city of culture. I mean, you don't bid for it by just like <laughs> just knocking I imma- off loads of tramps.
1: <laughs> I, I imagine, I imagine it's somewhere like Juarez or Rio or Johannesburg.
0: Yeah, Rio and Johannesburg come to comes to mind. But El
1: Salvador, El Salvador was the worst country for a bit, but they were having a civil war at the time, so that doesn't really that's not quite the same. Well, that's like the difference
0: between COVID deaths and excess deaths. You know, you yeah. there's all sorts of slides there that they could. They could yeah. use to to actually. If you look at the amount of people <laughs> shooting people in the face at point blank range for no reason, that's actually gone yeah. down. Yeah, um, yeah, if you take the Civil War out of the equation. I mean, one thing about you, Pierre, is like you are um, a thinker rather than a feeler as a comic. Like you, like you're a rational person, and, and, unfortunately
1: and, and unfortunately in life that is true for me. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, but I don't mean that you don't you don't feel, but like you don't get you don't let sort of uh, emotions guide your art form. But that's unusual uh, quite often on the left in comedy. And yeah. and does that get frustrated? Because, you know, if you bang the desk and did a, a rant, um, you know, people tend to like that because we live in quite an identity-driven age. People want to hear... It's the same for me as well, mate. Like, people sometimes get frustrated with me. They want me to say more right-wing stuff than I say or they think that I'm pussyfooting around an issue And the truth is I'm just trying to say exactly what I think.
1: Well that's the problem is that if, if they want some kind of cathartic, uh, uh rabble rousing, you know, like a end of a movie thing. Yeah. Then I mean, you can get that, you can buy that in the in the entertainment marketplace. But the very fact it's being sold to you as entertainment should let you know just how much use it is.
0: Yes. Well that's interesting. You made the so you see like that kind of stand up as Enter- it's all
1: entertainment it's all entertainment yeah I mean let's, like how how well do you think the punk rock movement did at preventing Reagan and Thatcher
0: well yeah and they, it is that weird do you, remember, do you have you seen the Batman Lego movie sorry slight like yes. <laughs> yes. so you know that yes. they, they acknowledge him and Joker acknowledge their complicity I think that there was such yeah, a yeah. truth at the heart of that and we all have to admit is that every day particularly like you know, I do the outrage thing sometimes because I do get, especially in the morning, I get fucking outraged in the morning. By, the, by lunchtime, I could see the same story and not give a shit. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, and, and look, they, there's a time for sides. I mean, you know, 1939 to 1945 was a time for sides. Let's yeah. make no bones about that. Um, there's a yeah, you mean agi-
0: against the obvious fascist Winston Churchill,
1: right? <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, <laughs> yes, it, it, indeed. Um Yes, so there is a time for size. A time does have to come where you where you where you you don't take it anymore, and you make no make make no provisions for the for the enemy, that kind of thing. But the, one of the problems is that fundamentally, anything other than a rent isn't as satisfying. And if they wanted the data, they could probably find someone with the data who. In, 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 that's what journalists used to be for, and now it's kind of comedians like like john oliver's show last week tonight is half really good investigative journalism hmm. because we've reached this point where co- political comedy has also got to have this almost bringing the facts to your attention sort of aspect which used to be bremna bird and fortune and nothing else and no one watched it
0: yeah well it's and a no. kind of e- e- ego in a way that my, my view with it always was like do i have a good point If I feel like I've got a good point, I'll work hard enough to get a good joke that allows me to say the point. But if I don't have, you know, if the point's really good, the joke could get away with being not quite as amazing and vice versa. But if I don't, if it's just a point, I wouldn't say it. And I wonder sometimes maybe that's helped me out. Maybe my shows would be more satisfying as an hour if I went there. But I have a problem and I don't know if you share this taking moral stances i just think i just don't think anybody in the world wants to hear from that from me it's not I'm, I'm an individual first and foremost so that's not how i see the world so when you know when things come up on twitter whether it be about you know sexual harassment in the workplace or whether it is about taking the knee and stuff like that i just don't chip in because i think what well, i just it feels bizarre to me i don't know where you stand on that sort of thing not those issues but taking moral stances
1: well, I mean, there is there is a lot of truth in the idea of, I'm uh, I'm not the spokesperson for whatever this is. Yeah. So yeah, retweets sure, but I don't need to put out a statement. I'm a clown. I'm an unemployed clown.
0: Well, this is what yeah, it's just statements, I suppose. Because every once in a while, I, I I'll see something that I think is cl- close enough to the way that I would express something, or you know, and I'll, I'll re- retweet that. Yeah. Um, or or I, one of the ways I like doing this is a podcast because I always think at least. If someone's gonna bend me out of context, they've got to really put in the work. Like they've got to download it first, and then <laughs> and then they've got to willfully misconstrue my tone. Whereas tweets, are, you know, it just it, it, the 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 import as well the importance of them. Given that they're things that we often think of while we're having a shit. Yeah. Like <laughs> the fact that you could lose your job, like seems bizarre because you know they're these throwaway thoughts where sometimes you don't really think about like the wider. You go blah 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 blah. There you go. And, and they held up as these tones, like this this kind of, like,
1: yeah. mission well, it's, statement. It's also the difference in, like, um, so we haven't kind of collectively decided what the internet is, right? So is the internet your toilet, like your front room, or is it the town square? Because if you shout the word fuck in your own house, that's fine. But if you scream the word fuck in the town square next to the group of five-year-olds on a school trip, yeah, that's less fine. So which is it? And that was one of the main things with when people are like, uh, if you put up like an offensive YouTube video, right? Yeah. If you uh, do something offensive in your own home and someone walks past and sees it through the living room window, that's kind of almost their problem. Don't look in my window. Yes. Well, this is it. But then if you see something like Twitter is screaming in the town square. Yeah. Yeah where anyone could see it and you know anyone could see your, you know, your balls hanging out your zip or whatever it is you're doing. And you're
0: backlit and <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> projecting your the...
0: silhouette out of your own house and into the town yeah. square. Yeah.
1: Well, this is it. Yeah. Now, now it becomes a public problem. And now, you know, everyone else has got to get involved and tell you to stop doing that. So there's, we haven't decided whether or not it, the reason it's confusing is because you send the tweet out into the public from your private home, from privacy. Yeah. And we haven't figured out whether the origin or the where it arrives is, is more important.
0: Do you know what Pierre? I think that just demonstrates your ability. We had the pie thing, and now we've got the is it your home <laughs> in your town square, which is another routine that you'll be seeing on my next tour—the the pie <laughs> square thing. But mate, it's been it's been wicked to chat. I know that a quick plug for the podcast you do with Phil Wang. If you just describe what that is to us.
1: Yeah, it's, it's called Bud Pod, and uh, it's mostly us just talking about our weeks and what's been going on, but a lot of it is very stupid. Uh, we didn't mean for it to be toilet humor, but a lot of the stories we get sent in are pretty vivid, uh, dramatic <laughs> <laughs> toilet, toilet stories, um, and I, we've, we've, me and Phil have discussed this on the podcast extensively. We wish it wasn't funny, but by God, it's just so funny. Because it's, it's universal. Well,
0: I think, you know, and I think podcasts like that, uh, yeah, and they the support you make universal, is there's so much discourse at the moment, is like, and I, I get locked into these things, and suddenly you find something that's just so, that's just so, like, lighthearted. I mean, I listen to a podcast about Star Wars called Rebel Forces Radio, and it's just, it's weekly, uh, it's Jason and Jimmy, and two and a quarter hours. They just talk about Star Wars every single week for two and a quarter hours. And it just, and every, the moment they start talking, I just feel, feel happier. And, um, I think, I think that's perhaps something I'd certainly recommend anybody listening to check out your guys, uh, podcast and, and it's a decent, um,
1: and, uh, uh, I guess for whenever this comes out, I'll probably have a Twitch stream by then. And I'm going to play, uh, historical video games and talk about history while I do it and, a bit of a bit of call
0: of duty as well because I'm only human. Yeah, <laughs> see there you go. There's, but I, I I would certainly tune into that. So check out the Bud Pod, uh, check out t- Twitch uh, and Pierre Novelli soon to be coming to Twitch and stuff. And mate, thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me,
0: man. Hey, so that was the chat with Pierre there, and like I say, check out his Bud Pod podcast with the great Phil Wang and uh, him appearing on Twitch at some point. Like a lot of comedians, we're having to find different ways of monetizing what they do. He's a lovely bloke, he's a funny bloke, you know, so support him in any way that you can. Uh, we just got a couple of letters here to read before we finish the show, Jeff. I've been listening to your podcast. Oh, this is a long one here. Uh, this is great actually. I'm just going to pray see this. This is from oh, pray see, get you, Jeff, eh. You wanker! What are you eating sourdough bread? Are you? <laughs> you not I'm gonna leave that one in. <laughs> it's awful, isn't it? I'm leaving that one in. Uh, this was from a few episodes about the man whose wife was spending a lot of money on coffee. This was so. This is when coffee shops were open, and she was just sitting there spending his money. That's right, feminists. His money. I'm presuming. All right, or whatever housekeeping he was generous enough to give her. He's going. She's sitting down there down the coffee shop. She's fucking. She's throwing it down her neck. Gingerbread lattes. She's taking a piss. He has said that what she should do um, to resolve this frustration about them getting in debt over coffee was that Um, would be to sit down and have a conversation about what they want as a family, goals and ambitions. Then as partners go through all the family income and expenditure and look at where all the money is going, how does that fit with both this guy and his wife's plans? If they want a better house, could they both spend more wisely day to day? The thing about this, Kevin, is I like the optimism of it. I think women are so smart that about, you know, halfway in the second paragraph of that, women have clocked exactly what you're doing and are already narrowing the eyes you know, moving the neck to the side a little bit and realising that they are being policed or gaslit. They're having their money. They're being gaslighted by money. So I think that maybe maybe you pulled that off at your end, Kev. Maybe you run a fucking tight ship with you and your lovely wife there. Or maybe you're just naturally both reasonable people. And Maybe I am a, a steaming misogynist. But um, as he admits, Kevin, you know, when they have that chat, it could be a double-edged sword for some men who don't want to account for their own expenditure. Yeah, I know that. I know all about that, Kevin. What the blokes the stuff comes through on the credit card. Happy Times Incorporated. I think we all know what that means. What most people think. And um, so we're just doing one more letter here because this is already a long one. eh? That's what she said. Uh, So I got a letter from a lovely letter from Katrina here, but she's one of these people that feels like government aren't unlocking fast enough, and there's a lot of people that feel this way. We've sort of got. Well, I'll read out what Katrina says first. She said, "I'm uh, I'm uncomfortable with the idea that government can continue to dictate who I'm allowed to see and invite into my own home." Right? I think that that's been lost in here, isn't it? We've we've got used to the new normal of governments kind of policing very private things. This has never been the domain of government before, in your house. You can allow one uh, parent who can piss, but not shit, only on a Monday and a Wednesday before 4 p.m. They must speak whilst facing the other way and drinking from a vacuum seat. I mean, like, who the fuck are you? I didn't elect you to become a fucking doorman for, for the nightclub that is my house. Yeah, I... This is this is a stretch, and, and then the people that kind of like feel risk averse around coronavirus, and the people that wanted lockdown to continue well into September, they don't understand that this is already like a fundamental imposition on people's liberties. I know that there is a pro, you know there is health considerations for the country, but there's also liberty in there somewhere. Remember that good old fashioned liberty. I feel like Natalie Portman in um, Revenge of the Sith when when these lockdown was originally announced, and everyone seemed delighted about it. I felt like her when uh, Senate Chancellor Palpatine takes emergency powers in the Senate and then she delivers that terrible line. So this is how Liberty dies. To thunderous applause. Okay, so that is the podcast for this week. It just remains for us to do say hello to a couple of three pound patrons. We've got Lucy Jones, Chris Osman, and Richard Burbage. Burbage? That's a cool name. Burbage! God damn it. He sounds like a character out of Dad's Army, doesn't he? Burbage, what you been doing, mate? Oh, I don't know, Mister Manwaring. I was just stuck in the cupboard. God damn it, Burbage! The Germans will be along any minute. Um Right, just a review. A couple of reviews here. One from Hendon Steve. I feel like I know how to do Hendon Steve. Um, not Hendon Steve. Hendon Steve. Uh, just listen to episode forty-two. You're on fire, mate. Funny, honest. Self-deprecating and serious, all mixed in together. A brilliant, light-hearted escape from the tidal wave of woke speak. I actually prefer the episodes when you don't interview someone, as you have plenty of sail by yourself. Well, I just realised I disappointed you this week, Steve. It was a bad week to read out that review, but I, I tried to bookend it with a bit of politics at the start and the letters at the end to keep everybody happy. Is everybody happy? I'll miss approval. I won't lie. Um, so this is from a Sunderland fan this is SAFC so that would be Sunderland right um, the the line that sums up our age so it's a five star review just a reminder I always read out the five stars I was talking about Sadiq Khan and I said he's a Twitter politician in a Twitter city I've got to do this in a Geordie accent sorry a Macam accent I'm just losing people like I lost the black cab driver the other week uh, he's a Twitter politician in a Twitter city could I suggest a UK-wide leaflet drop... I don't know where this accent's going. This is the worst. I normally I to do this accent. Could I suggest a UK-wide leaflet drop of this statement to try and hammer home to the Twitter-arty twats that an ill-informed opinion doesn't become the truth just because it's been retweeted, retweeted by ten of your equally ill-informed mates? See, that's the way you get the Jody accent. Mates. Amazing. Z. You meat Retweet it. Strangely, a very modern word is a good way to get a hook on the Geordie accent. Retweet it. Retweet it. Retweet. Anyway, I'll see you next week. What most people
1: think.